Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back. It's hour number two of Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, your host out here in Las Vegas. Your other host is Josh Applebaum on the East Coast out there in Boston. Uh, happy to bring on to the program uh, to help us out with the association uh, is Brad Botkin. He covers the NBA for CBS. Brad, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your time. Um, our pleasure, for sure. So I want to start you out with the uh, the Lakers, the LeBron situation. I think he's going to be back. He's questionable. AD is now questionable. I think he's been questionable all year. Um, they're, they're a heavy favorite uh, in this game against Houston, certainly at home, uh, in a situation that they don't want to be in, and that's in the playing situation. Uh, how important is LeBron on the court going to be for the Lakers? But the way that they're playing defense, I, I don't know if it's going to matter at this point. Well, it might not matter against Houston, but it's obviously going to matter moving forward, and they just don't have any room to play with in terms of avoiding the, the, the play-in tournament. They're they're down uh, a game to Portland and Dallas. They do not own the tiebreaker against either of those teams, so that's an effective two-game gap. Uh, in the case of a three-way tie, they have a worse winning percentage against those two teams, so they wouldn't win the – they wouldn't win the three-way tiebreaker. So they basically have to look at it like they have to win out uh, to get out of the playing tournament. And, and so I, they just, you know, it depends how much they value not having to go through that extra round, no matter how good you are. And obviously they still believe at full strength they're the best team in the league. You know, a one-and-done situation is dicey. So, you know, at the seventh seed, they would get two chances to win one game. But right now they'd be matched up against the, the Warriors. I mean, do you want to play Steph Curry in a – in a one-game scenario right now. So, you know, I just don't think they have a whole lot of room to play with. Just say nothing of getting at least a few games of chemistry under their belt heading into the playoffs. Brad, this is Josh Applebaum. Thanks so much for joining us today to talk some NBA. Uh, I got a question about my Celtics. I'm in Boston, and really the, the sky is falling when it comes to the Celtics. Jalen Brown's out for the year. They lost another one last night there to the Miami Heat. This is a team that is only one game above 500 right now, and now they're going to be uh, pretty much relegated to this play-in tournament. So, uh, number one, tonight, you know, they're at Cleveland Cavs. You have no Marcus Smart. Kemba's resting. Jalen Brown's out. It's a back-to-back. We saw some movement to the Cavs. Celtics opened some books like minus eight all the way down to like minus six right now. So your take on maybe tonight, is this a tough spot for the Celtics? Would you grab the points? Then just your take on the Celtics moving forward. Is this a team that is just, they're done, uh, stick a fork in them, they're done, or can they surprise some people in the play-in tournament? You know, these types of games, in terms of a one-game scenario, I always tend to, the storyline right now is exactly as you said, the sky's falling on the Celtics. Uh, they're done. They're without some players tonight, and it's it's kind of easy to lean toward that's too high of a line. But I I, I tend to think that those things are over bet that way. Uh, and I, I you know I, in terms of the narrative, so I I would take the the Celtics to cover tonight. Um, I don't think the Celtics are quite. They're, they're definitely out of it now that Jalen Brown is out. But but I don't think they're quite as doomed. Um, in terms of not being able to still be a threat if they get out of a play-in and into the first round. I, I still you know, I still think any team that can look at themselves and say, we've got a football defender, we've got a go-to player in Jason Tatum. Uh, and, and, and Kemba Walker's actually had a, a lot better season, really, except for some stints that have gotten the publicity. But he's had a lot better season than I think has been portrayed. And I still think he possesses for a given series and certainly for a given game to be a kind of 1A type player. 
Uh, and when you have those pieces, I, I still think that you're a threat. I mean, Embiid has killed the Celtics this year, but I, I think a team like the Sixers still has holes that a team like Boston can exploit and maybe make a series of that if you see that at a 1-8, for example. Um, in the end, if, if, if you kind of get away from the intricacies of, of what exactly has gone wrong in certain matchups, there's just a feel this year, right? Like, it's just not the Celtics' year. Whatever it is, if, you know, Brad Stevens is coaching or Jason Tatum relies a little bit too much on one-on-one player, they don't move the ball, it's just something's not right, right? Like, the, the team just kind of isn't feeling it. And, and so from that perspective, yeah, I, I don't think the Celtics are – are much of a threat, but I, but I would take them to cover tonight. We're speaking with Brad Botkin, uh, covers the NBA uh, for CBS. Uh, Brad, uh, looking for meaningful games in terms of betting across America, and, and certainly there's one out there in Atlanta, uh, Washington, uh, playing the Hawks again. Beal's going to be out with that hamstring. Uh, they are catching six and a half points in this one, but uh, I guess one of the better in-season coaching changes we've seen in a while here in the NBA uh, out there in Atlanta. Uh, any chance for Washington, Russell Westbrook, uh, to not only cover this game, perhaps win this game? They need to. Yeah, they do, and of course there's a chance. Russell Westbrook's playing really good right now. I've been one of his strongest critics in that just his numbers just don't tend to equate to team success. That hasn't been true uh, of late. He's playing really well. His shot selection has gotten good. He's not settling for threes. I think he is a guy that even without Bradley Beal is putting them into position to win games uh, on his back. And I think he can do it again tonight. The problem is at Atlanta is to me is really the team to watch in in the Eastern Conference. I mean, this is a team that to me, right now as current seeds held, they would get Philadelphia in the second round if they got out of the first round. Right now they would play Miami. Our projections have New York getting up to five. Atlanta, New York, I would favor Atlanta. And look, Atlanta. Philadelphia, there's a lot of things that Atlanta does better than Philadelphia. No, they can't match up with Joel Embiid, but Clint Capella is a guy that's probably going to be second-team all defense. They've got some size in the middle now, and they've got some ways to exploit Philadelphia on the perimeter. I think Atlanta is a really, really good team. You make the point about uh, Nate McMillan being one of the better in-season coaching moves. It looks that way on paper, and this is not to detract from anything Nate McMillan's done, and I'm not in that locker room to, to hear some of the conversations that he's having and the new ways he's motivating players and the different positions he's putting them in. But at the end of the day, he just inherited a healthier roster. You know, when Lloyd Pierce was, was coaching that team, they were just riddled with injuries. Bogdanovich had only played like nine games. DeAndre Hunter was out for a ton of time. Rick Capella was missing some time. Uh, they, they just they weren't healthy. They weren't playing with the roster that Travis Schlenk went and put together. Danilo Gallinari had missed a lot of time. Uh, and that's the roster that Schlenk put together to give them a chance to be this team that has now come to fruition. So it's not to diminish the job that Nate McBillan has done, but imagine being a coach – coaching one team with Lloyd Pierce and then a new coach comes in with all the talent that the first coach was supposed to have. And that's really what you've seen is the Hawks have just gotten healthy. And I've always, I've liked their roster from the start. Now we're seeing that this is, this is a really good team. 
want to ask you a question here, um, talking about the return of James Harden. You know, obviously he's set to come back here. He's had a hamstring injury. He's been out for about five, six weeks now at this point. But he's set to return tonight for the Nets against the Spurs here. We have seen a move a little bit to the Nets here around minus three, minus four, up to minus five. The funny thing is you had Harden back, and now Kyrie Irving is questionable with a face injury. So uh, my question would be, um, you know, asking you, Brad, what's your take on Harden's return, your take on the game tonight? But, but a bigger issue is, you know, can this team get healthy? Will they Will they find that groove? They're plus 200, around plus 230 to win the NBA title. Just your outlook tonight and throughout the season in the playoffs, what do you expect from hopefully a healthy Nets team? Well, it's just one of the biggest X factors. You know, you just can't really answer the question because they're, they're literally not going to have any time together. And as you mentioned, Kyrie might not play. I think the, the top, the, the big three have played like seven games together. So there's really no way to answer what they're going to be uh, come playoff time, I don't know if they're going to stay healthy. I mean, they, obviously, all these guys have proven to be injury prone to some degree, and, and maybe they stepped the wrong way in the second round and 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 screw the whole equation up. I don't know. I mean, what's interesting is, to me is if they do stay healthy, how far can talent take you? You know, and I think it's 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 a really different question depending on what sport. You're, you're talking about, right? Like, you don't see this in football. You don't see a team, unless it's for injury reasons, but you don't see teams fundamentally changing in the middle of the season due to personnel, right? And in baseball, when you see the trade deadline moves, it's usually like for a starting pitcher that's going to come out and be that, that horse, but he's still only a once-every-five-days guy. In basketball, you just – you change the whole team that one person can dominate the ball because of the nature of the game and just change everything. And we just haven't seen what that looks like for Brooklyn. We can project that these guys are like super, super talented and say they're probably going to be pretty damn tough to beat, but we just don't know. So I find that to be like everyone else, the really the most intriguing part of one of the most intriguing parts of, of these playoffs is that there are a lot, basically every team has a question. And I find that more entertaining and interesting than when, say, the Super Team Warriors were around. And there just was no question. It was like either one of them is going to get hurt or they're going to kill everybody. You can't beat the team unless Kevin Durant tears his Achilles or, or Clay Thompson ruptures his ACL. You can't beat them. So I find this much more interesting. Are the Lakers going to be healthy? You know, are the Clippers going to keep making three-pointers at 43% team rates? You know, can the Sixers overcome Ben Simmons' inability to shoot? Can the Milwaukee Bucks adjust their drop defensive scheme that have gotten them in the past? Can the Nets rally around three guys who've only played seven games together? You know, are, is Chris Paul good enough to really lead a team that didn't even make the playoffs last year to the finals. Do the Utah Jazz have a true number one superstar that you think that you need in the NBA to make a, a championship run? Every single team has questions. And I find that to be a really, really intriguing prospect. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's what's going to make the playoffs that much more exciting, to be honest with you, Brad. Uh, Kyrie with a, 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 a face contusion. Uh, a bruised face, whatever that is. Um, so we're not going to see yeah. big three on the court like you mentioned. Um, court chemistry, you talked about that. I, I think that's important. But then also the Nets, it's as if they're talking their way into believing that they're the most talented team uh, on the floor each and every night. Throughout the playoffs, I mean, all these questions like you mentioned, um, even without court chemistry, uh, right now the Nets are uh, plus 230 to win a championship. Is that something that people should look uh, at again, or is that something that, look, uh, they are the most talented team on the floor? I don't 
find that to be great value. I mean, I just think there's too many questions with, without enough value there. Uh, I think you can get better value on the Lakers right now. I think the I, I think the last I saw, the Lakers' future is up somewhere, maybe around like close to 500, maybe to win to win the title. I could be totally wrong about that, but I swear I saw that. I yeah. just think there's there's too many questions around whether they can stay healthy. Um, and I just you know they are talented, but the parity in the league is such that they're not so much more talented than everybody else. I mean, I'm not downgrading that that, that big three, but I mean, look if they play. LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the finals, I'm not going to say that the Nets are more talented. Um, and I could even make a case, really, that they, they, they might have a, a, a tough matchup with the Bucks. You know, they don't, I don't really think they have anybody that can, that can really pose any kind of threat. Say like Miami, who's not as good a team as Brooklyn, but at least they have a Bam Adebayo that can theoretically match up with a Giannis. I, I think there's questions on both sides of the ball for, for Brooklyn and I do. I think they're one of the two or three teams that, assuming they stay healthy, can win it. Yeah, but I don't think a two to one is is really enough value to put that much faith in them winning. I think they're. I'd much rather have the field. Brad, speaking of futures right now, it's kind of like both uh, both conferences have like three teams that are are up at the top, and then everyone else is below. So like, you look at the West, it's like Lakers, Clippers, Jazz, Suns are kind of close. But then it's like East, Nets, 76ers, Bucks, Heat are the next kind of uh, close team there. But I'm looking at teams that are like yeah. plus 2,000, plus 2,500. If you could point to a team like, you know, going to the bubble last year, I don't think anyone – we knew the Nuggets were talented, but they really, really popped in the bubble and played great basketball. Give me a team that no one's yeah. really talking about, but you're saying, hey, like – I think the Blazers could make a run or the Mavs or the Knicks or the Hawks or just the team that is down on the list, but you think has some, some opportunity here. Well, I do think the Hawks have a, a real opportunity given the current seats to, to make a run at the conference finals. I don't know what the odds are on that future. Um, but I think that given the way the matchups would break down right now, I think they would beat the Knicks and, uh, or the, or the, the heat. I'm sorry. Our projections have the Knicks getting, getting up to five, but I think they would beat the heat or, uh, or the Knicks. I really do think Atlanta's got good. But even if even if the Heat beat Atlanta at the four five, I think Philadelphia is is that top team. However, the bracket breaks out that is vulnerable. I just do. I know it's a tired story, but in the playoffs, it is so tough to overcome Ben Simmons's inability slash unwillingness to shoot. They still are going to be relying on Tobias Harris to create half court offense late in the games. And it's it's just something that is absolutely fallible. There's there's no way around it. So, can you win in today's today's game going through a post player for kind of a hundred percent of your offense down the stretch? If you really want to talk about the most reliable thing, so I think Philly and anyone the way the bracket would break is vulnerable. So I, I think that Atlanta has some future value. Um, I would like to think Portland has some future value. They're up to a mid mid tier. Uh, defensive team they've been a doormat defensively all year but since they got norm powell i don't know exactly when the date goes back to it might be post all-star it might be since the norm powell trade but they're up to around like 15th or 16th uh and of course with that offensive firepower one-on-one playing in the playoffs is so emphasized because everybody scouts everyone so well the the, the systems kind of stop working by game three of the series you know where everybody's coming off the pin down screen you know all the little tricks and so the defense isn't as fooled anymore. And so now it just comes down to who can beat their guy one-on-one. And that's why the Blazers are always a tough out in the playoffs because they got two of the best one-on-one shot creators in the league. It's why the, the Nuggets come playoff time 
have always given people trouble because a guy like Jamal Murray that only averages 18 points in the in the season, he doesn't seem like an all NBA type player. But you get to the playoffs and you need a guy that can just get a bucket, and the guy is just a bucket getter, so yeah. he's dangerous. So I think Portland is is dangerous in that way, but. But they, they probably, the way things are shaking out, are going to end up playing the Clippers in the first round. So I don't wow. like that. So if I had to bet on a team that probably isn't getting great odds in the, in the West right now, I would bet on Phoenix. I, yeah. I think Phoenix is really, really talented. Wow, that was awesome. Follow him on Twitter, uh, Brad Botkin, CBS. Brad, thank you again for the time. That was incredible. Uh, and enjoy the playoffs uh, in the NBA. When we continue with the program, uh, we return back to the National Football League with more opening uh, uh, odds uh, for that opening week uh, in the National Football League. less is more. That's why they have powerful tools to help you source, screen, and hire quality people faster. Learn more at Indeed.com slash credit. Welcome back to the show. Betting Across America presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum with you. Josh, I think the sweat is real uh, when it comes to Major League Baseball, right? Uh, you got your in, uh, your Indians uh, in a 1-1 tie, bottom of the ninth uh, against the Cubs. The sweat is so real, Pritch. I wish I took the under on this game, by the way. Yeah, 1-1 one, one here in, in the bottom of the ninth. But, yeah, runs are at a premium. Uh, again, it, it's, it's pretty much got Naylor up here against Chafin. But I'll be sweating this thing. Hopefully you'll get some good news, be, you know, whether it's during the break or uh, at some point during the show because if you get a walk-off here, that would be great. But I'm sweating the tribe hard right now. All right. Uh, so as we get back to the National Football League, week one was released. Uh, and we have the numbers, the spreads uh, out there for the week one games in the National Football League. Uh, Cardinals at the Titans. Um, so this game is interesting to me, uh, Josh, because of the fact that we were talking about home field advantage. Will that even exist now that fans are going to probably be back in the stands? Titans minus two and a half in this game. That total 51 and a half. Yeah, so looking at this game here, you got your, another uh, non-conference matchup. So again, to me, uh, I like betting these dogs, especially week one. We talked about how they, you know, they cover at a pretty good rate here historically. But um, this one, I, I don't know. I lean a little bit Titans here. I think you might be buying low on the Titans here. And again, if if you if it's at two and a half right now, you want to see the minus two and a half with Tennessee get juiced up and trend toward three. I think that's what you're hoping for. But my angle here would be, I think the Cardinals with Kyler Murray, uh, another year in the system, and obviously getting J.J. Watt and, uh, you know, kind of uh, adding A.J. Green. I feel like the Cardinals yeah. are going to be a very buzzworthy team pitch. I think they're going to be improved, but I just feel like the buzz in this matchup is going to be Cardinals on the upswing and maybe buying low on the Titans could have value because it's a team that lost a bunch of guys in the offseason, lost John o. Smith, you know, besides A.J. Brown, they're kind of, you know, thin at wide receiver. They might need you to come back, Pritch, and, <laughs> and line up for some snaps there. But uh, to me, my first angle would be the Cardinals may become a very, very trendy dog in that spot. And again, if you're buying low in a contrarian opportunity with Tennessee, that could be intriguing in a non, uh, non-conference non matchup here. But what do you think, Pritch? Do you like the, what the Cardinals did? Are you looking for them to, to make a leap up here? Or or do you think uh, the Titans are being undervalued? If A.J. Green is healthy, uh, would D-hop on the other side, DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, 
Kyler Murray at quarterback, too. I mean, what is there not to like about the Cardinals there? I mean, offensively, anyway. Defensively, uh, I think they've upgraded. Uh, I think they're going to be pretty stout. Uh, just reading the tea leaves out there in Arizona about that defense. They're very happy uh, about their personnel. So uh, the Titans are interesting because they got another new offensive coordinator coming in the fold here. So uh, the previous offensive coordinator now is the head coach in Atlanta. So minus two and a half, uh, you know, benefited a doubt for the Titans, perhaps just based on their roster. Uh, but I'll, I'll see how that number changes, if that number changes as we get closer to the season, though. I'm with you, Pritch, and also 51 and a half to the total. I mean, mm -hmm. you do look at the Cardinals as uh, I think both these teams were pretty good to the over last year, just in general. And obviously with Derrick Henry, you know, if you still can lean on him and Tannehill, I think you still have some of the, uh, you know, kind of that that backbone of the team that maybe you're rooting for. But we'll see how this thing goes, Pritch. You know, two and a half now. The other thing is like, you know, do you see it get down to two, get down to one and a half, that sort of thing. If we start to see big movement toward Arizona, that might be the indication that some respective money is backing Arizona. But some, I don't know, Arizona, to me, they're a big home versus away team. Yeah. Rich. I feel like these away games, they struggle with a little bit. I remember Arizona, uh, highly touted, came to New England last year and the Patriots uh, took care of them. And I don't know, at home. They scare me on the road. They're, I don't know. I don't know if they play as well as they do at home. So we'll have to see how this develops. But uh, the two and a half now, where does the next move go? Two or three? I think that's what you're waiting for with this one. I think uh, you're looking for some respect to come in on K squared too. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I think people don't respect that guy as a head coach. No, I'm with you. And again, if you actually look, uh, there was some stat, crazy stat I saw, but if you look at all of his records throughout his career, you go to college, you go to the NFL, I think he's well below 500. I got to find a number for you here, Pritch, but pretty much everywhere he's been, he's had this great offensive mindset and a forward thinker, kind of a Shanahan type guy. Uh, but can you put it all together as a head coach? That's uh, that kind of the jury's out on that one. Yeah. You know what? It gets interesting too with the schedule uh, week one, uh, because the Browns at the Chiefs, uh, you probably see, have seen this number. You're talking about the Browns' uh, playoff team, uh, and their offseason was loaded, right? I mean, they've improved mightily on paper. Uh, but on paper, when it comes to the books against the Chiefs, uh, still a big number right there, uh, minus six uh, in favor for Chiefs. Yeah, still a big yeah. number, Pritch. We, we can hit on the on the other side, but this yeah. would match some systems. I like Browns, big dog, road dog. If you're getting six, I, I, I lean Browns there in the points in that one. Yeah, let's hit that on after the break because I do want to get your insight on that because, that's again, that's a big number. Um, and and you certainly the Chiefs, they revamped their entire offensive line almost. Uh, but yet still a big number at home. So I definitely want to get your insight on that uh, after the break. We will hit that game and others in the National Football League right here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Did you know that vcin.com has the latest lines and odds for every game on the board tonight? Track the line movements with live charts, get estimated scores for every matchup, and all the betting information you need to stay on top of all the action, whether it's inline move or insight from Josh Applebaum or last-minute NBA injury information from Jonathan Von Tobel. Our experts give you all the necessary data on vcin.com slash NBA, vcin.com slash NHL, or vcin.com slash MLB. 
use a parlay calculator to figure out payouts and get all of our betting 101 info, including definitions of the betting terms you, we use right here on the Sports Betting Network. Start your day's sports betting research for free at vcin.com. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum. Josh, finishing up that thought uh, with the Chiefs there, minus six at home against the Browns. Yeah, just kind of finishing up here. To me, I want to know what the public perception is going to develop into here. Because on the one hand, you have kind of the Browns, who I'm really high on. I like their overseason win total. And it's a team that has made strides and has brings back a lot of stability. Great running game. They added it to their defense in the draft and in free agency. So on the one hand, it's like, do the Browns become a trendy dog? Or is it like the Chiefs? You know, what's the public perception of the Chiefs? You have the Super Bowl hangover uh, that could be looming here. You have Patrick Mahomes who's still recovering from that that foot injury that he's dealt with. Obviously, they revamped their whole offensive line, so maybe you're feeling a little bit better about that. But I don't know. My, my, my point here is that, you know, if the public just says, I don't care, you know, Super Bowl hangover, doesn't matter, hammer the Chiefs here. I think if you get a contrarian spot with the Browns, that's really where I think there could be some value. Also, you're not really on the key number of seven. You're at six now. So this becomes a, does it get to the hook with the six and a half? Does it get down to five and a half? To me, that's not what I'd be looking for. But I think the Browns, as long as they kind of stay a little bit under the radar here and you're getting that week one dog match and that week week one big dog match six or more uh, covering over the last decade uh, around 60% here. I look to the Browns getting points, but let's see how this, let's see how the perception of the chiefs changes. Is it just hammer the chiefs because it's Mahomes, or does the public kind of lean the other way and get scared off by the hangover? All right. Great thought right there. Uh, happy to bring on to the program, Alex Myers. He covers the golf for golf digest. He's a senior writer over golf digest. Uh, we got the AT&T Byron Nelson classic coming up. Uh, Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, eager to talk to you because, uh, full disclosure, I, I, a couple of weeks ago to Wells Fargo, I saw uh, on the front page of GolfDigest.com uh, the question about Rory McIlroy. Uh, and I was going to bet him, but I didn't see a prediction from your experts. I mean, you guys are on a roll over there predicting who's going to win these tournaments. Uh, so happy to bring you on to help us preview the Byron Nelson Classic. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We were just talking about this the other day. You know, we brought up Rory, of course, last week. And, and one of our guys, Steve, said, you know, you got to bet him. It's 20 to one. He's a two time winner here. Um, and and I don't know if any of us actually ended up pulling the trigger just because, you know, he'd been so bad for Rory. So unfortunately, that it's kind of a missed opportunity there because, yeah, you look back at it and now it just seems so obvious that uh, Quail Hollow would have been the place where he kind of refound his form. But no, I mean, uh, you know, it's exciting, to, obviously, to have him playing well again. He jumped back up from, he was 15th in the world golf ranking, the lowest he'd been since 2009, before he even won a PGA Tour event. So he jumps back up to number seven. As you know, he's now the, uh, the favorite at most books to win the PGA Championship next week. So certainly uh, a lot of people are jumping back on the Rory bandwagon. Alex, this is Josh Applebaum. It's great to have you on the show to talk a little bit of golf. Uh, kind of take us, you know, talk about the course, basically, because uh, course form and yeah. who's had recent success here. Uh, is this a course that benefits long drivers like Bryson, or do you need your your good uh, iron game or putting, or kind of who do you think, uh, you know, suits the course the best? And also, just your take on some of the favorites here, John Rahm plus 750, Bryson, Spieth, Berger, uh, any of these guys that you would think maybe maybe fit well for this course? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be a, a bomber's course. Uh, it's an unfamiliar course to most of the guys, uh, unless you are in that Dallas 
uh, area, which actually Bryson DeChambeau does make his home there now. So uh, it's unclear whether he, he's very familiar with that course specifically, but other guys have said they have played there a lot in their youth. Scotty Scheffler, Will Zalatoris among those. So certainly, you know, you have to factor that in when it's kind of a, a great unknown to most of the field. You got to think a little no, local knowledge can't hurt. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be, it plays over 7,400 yards, so pretty long. Uh, they got a ton of rain, so much in fact that they had to cancel uh, an opening ceremony of some sort yesterday. There was just too much rain there. So the course is going to be soft. Um, I think that's going to make the fact that it is a new course. I don't think it's it's going to be very challenging for players. I think uh, the owner uh, wanted to build a course that would host a PGA Tour event. He's getting his wish. He, you know, he kind of he wants there to be some fireworks, and and certainly the rain uh, softening things up will, will make it uh, even more likely to see good scoring. The, all the par fives are very gettable for these guys. Um, there are some long par fours. Uh, and some long part threes, but uh, you know, again, I, I, it's a par 72. I think we're going to see a ton of birdies, especially if the, the wind doesn't pick up. And yeah, certainly I, I would, you know, of all the favorites, uh, I'm probably, you know, I, I'm probably staying away from them, but if I were to go with one, I probably would go with Bryson just based on um, his carry distance will certainly help him here. Uh, and also I, I would assume he has a little more familiarity than uh, these other guys at the top of the board. Alex, some proper uh, popular uh, long shots here. Maybe Hideki Matsuyama. He's twenty-two to one. Uh, Brooks yeah. Kepka. I mean, the knee. Uh, that situation <laughs> twenty to one as well, right? Yeah, those are two very interesting guys in that twenty to one range. And, and I'd actually stay away from both. I mean, you you gotta just look at kind of the motivation with both of those guys. I mean, Hideki Matsuyama's playing for the first time since winning the Masters. He basically came out and said, I'm just trying to get back in form for next week's PGA Championship. You know, he's he's the only guy who has a chance to to win the Grand Slam this year. So certainly that's where his focus is going to be. And the same with Brooks Koepka. I mean, we always joke, we know, um, you know, half of his career PGA Tour wins are majors. So we know where his focus is. And we saw him really struggling at the Masters physically. Um, you know, he could hit the ball well, but just, you know, he couldn't even bend over to read pots or, you know, get his ball out of the hole. He was doing this weird side move. Um, he's kind of limping up those hills. This course won't be as hilly as Augusta. I don't think any course is. That should help him. Uh, but, but again, he's just looking to find a little bit of form before he really gets into next week. So I'm staying away from both those guys. The first guy I'm really excited about is right below that, Will Zalatoris, who, of course, we all saw what he did um, at the masters with that runner up. And he's at 28 to one right now. I think he should be up there with the favorites. Um, he, he's kind of my favorite co- coming into this week. And I know we're, I'm in agreement with a lot of the guys uh, at golf digest as well. Yeah. Not a bad recommendation at all. Golf digest. You guys have been on a roll uh, picking winners. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> uh, follow him on Twitter at Alex Myers, three uh, senior writer for golf digest. Uh, Alex, thanks again for your time. You got it, guys. Take care. Enjoy the golf. You too. Enjoy the golf this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, Coming up next on the program, Leans and Picks, uh, Josh Applebaum, some more uh, market insight uh, as well as we continue the program right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
We all love home runs in Major League Baseball, especially if you are a new BetMGM customer. Turn $1 into $100 when someone goes yard during a game. Sign up for the BetMGM app using VSIN100. And if you place a $1 money line wager on the Dodgers or Mariners, you'll get $100. If either team hits a home run, it's a new customer offer. Paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21 years old. Located in Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. If you feel you have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana and Tennessee. Call or text the red line 800-889-9789. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Welcome back to the show, Betting Across America. And we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, Josh Applebaum with you. Still 1-1, top of the 10th inning there, uh, Cleveland and Chicago. Pritch, the sweat is dripping. We got two men on with the Cubbies. I'm, I'm hoping we get out of it here. It's uh, James Karinchik against Sogard. Uh, these are, and we, had, we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. These, these extra inning rules, man on yeah. second. It makes talk about taking the sweat to the whole nother level. But uh, I'm, ha- I'm hanging on every pitch. I'm watching the ball and the live stat track just slowly, slowly go down the page. I'm hoping for a strikeout or an out here. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're sweating the, the Indians like me, this is this is what you live for right now. Sure, sure. So you have the game up, right? Or you're just tracking it. I'm just tracking it. Oh, Rich. I'm good lord! Yeah. Oh, good lord! That's that's really a sweat right there. If you're just tracking it, I won't tell you what's happening in the game right there. I'll let you sweat a little bit more. Um, Twins and White Sox. Uh, some more plays here. Uh, do you have a lean or pick in this one? I do. So, Pritch, uh, one thing that I like looking at, and really anytime this matches, I play it as long as the line's going in my favor. But uh, happy White Sox against a lefty day, Pritch. Okay. Here. This is one of the uh, the biggest edges you're going to find for, and I don't, hope I don't jinx it. I'm knocking on wood, but um, I love when the White Sox play a lefty. The White Sox against lefties this year are 7-1. and one. Last year, they were 14-0. and 0. Over the last two years, they're 21-1 and one against left-handed starting pitching. So I'm laying it tonight with the White Sox. It's not just because of that trend, which I really do like. It's just you have a line move as well. So this game open, White Sox around minus 115, minus 120. It's been bet up all the way to minus 130, minus one, almost minus 140 at this point. This would match a lot of systems. I like steam 15 cents or more coming off a win, 58% this year. And really just that that left-handed trend where uh, you look at, look at J.A. Happ. He's got a pretty good ERA, like a 1.9 ERA. Uh, but Keiko's throwing the ball pretty well also. So two lefties going head-to-head, huge edge to the White Sox. I don't like going against divisional dogs, but to me, with the line move and with the White Sox against Southpaws, uh, it is a it is a lay it uh, lay it on the White Sox tonight for me. So I'll be I'll be sweating the White Sox around minus one thirty-five. Okay, let's get to the NBA for some leans and picks as well. Uh, Wizards and Hawks. We were talking about that game. Pritch, by the way. The tribe just got out of it. We're going into the bottom of the tent. There we go. Well, I knew that about uh, a minute ago, but I didn't want to tell you. You were ahead of me. Yes, I didn't want to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't want to tell me, but finally, as long as it's good news, I'll wait. Right. Pritch, what did you mention? You mentioned the Hawks-Wizards. Was that it? Yeah, Wizards-Hawks in the NBA. The Hawks minus six and a half now. Uh, 239 is the total. So really no movement on the spread here, Pritch, but I'm if you want to sweat a high total over with me, I'm going over with this number here. I know it's a big one. I know you, every, we all uh, we get some anxiety when the total's this high and you need the over because really you got to get at least 60 points every single quarter. Um, but I like the over for this one, a couple reasons. Number one, a little bit of movement to the over. It opened 238 and a half. It's up to 239. Uh, when, when you have a system uh, this year, 235 or higher, the over is 60 and 41, 59%. 
So these high total overs that you get scared off by, they've done pretty well to the over this year. Also, um, a tired over, you've only had two days off or less, uh, 230 or more, that's 55% to the over. And the one that I really like right now is these May overs. When the line stays the same or rises, they're 67% to the over. So you do see these teams, they played the other day, and it was a 125-124 game. Uh, landed just under 250 there at 249. I'm banking on the same sort of high-paced, high-scoring game here, Pritch. So I'll take the over 238 and a half on that one. Okay, where are you going with Portland and Utah? Portland on the road facing the Jazz. Jazz incredible at home this year. Uh, as we know, they're minus uh, a, a point, uh, which is interesting uh, on the spread standpoint. Uh, and 234 is the total. Really short line here, yeah. Pritch. Um, what I like is I'm going to take a shot on the dog here with the Portland Trailblazers because a lot of these books open uh, minus two with the Jazz at home, and it's kind of a 50-50 ticket split. You know, the public kind of says Jazz are great at home. Yeah, they don't have Mitchell, but then it's like, you know, how do I not take a couple points with Damian Lillard and the Blazers here? Uh, but you do have the Blazers playing pretty well. They've won four straight. They're really getting their offensive game going here, and as our previous guest mentioned, Brad mentioned, you know, they're playing a little bit better defensively. Now, that's key because – this is a team that really is known for just a pure offensive team. Um, we also have the Jazz. You know, uh, they were at Golden State and and lost that last one. They were two-point favorite, lost by three. So the fact that you have Portland opening at plus two, down to one, I'd shop around. Try to get a one-and-a-half if you can. But that would match a lot of systems that I like. A short dog with a high total, uh, conference dog, high total, five or less. A lot of these system matches would be the Blazers. So, uh, again, you would have loved the two. At least try to get the one and a half, but I like that move to the Blazers. I'm going to take the points with Portland here. All right. Uh, short spread right there between two good teams uh, and the association. Uh, returning back to the National Football League, we touched on it. Uh, week one, uh, the numbers are out. Uh, Dolphins at the Patriots. The Patriots minus two and a half, Josh. Ooh, so, you know, I got to be true to my to my systems here, Pritch. And I, and I will admit, I just found out. I did some Twitter research during our break. Remember we were talking about Bucks patriots week four? Pritch. One couple books have the Bucks minus three and a half at mm. New England. Tom Brady's return, which, by the way, I think he's 1,100 yards from breaking the all-time passing yards. Imagine the Patriots contrarian bet at home against Brady, and Brady breaks the record for passing yards. I mean, like if you're a, if, <laughs> like we, I, I can't. I'd like like put me in a time machine and take me to Week Four right now. I can't wait. Um, but Pritch, to be true to my systems, I would be looking at the Dolphins in this game. Dolphins at Patriots. It's at two. It's, it's at kind two of a, now. Yeah, it's it's a dead zone. I mean, you're really kind of right in the middle there. So, again, uh, folks are kind of telling you maybe that's just on a neutral site. It's an even evenly matched game. Again, you know, like three points for home field with the fans in the stands. If it's minus two at home, you're kind of saying this is a pick em type game on a neutral field. But uh, my play would be that divisional dog angle. Again, the Patriots. Um, I think it was last year they beat the Dolphins week one as well. And Cam looked pretty decent there uh, running the ball. Uh, but again, what are you going to get out of the Patriots? Uh, they should be favored, I would assume, at home. But in the division, you're looking at a dog, you're looking at a short dog, and you're also looking at um, a divisional dog here with kind of a lower end total. So, again, I would love a plus three with the Dolphins. You're not getting that right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you make me pick it right now, uh, even though I, I wouldn't bet any of these games right now, Pritch, I would <laughs> right. lean Dolphins because they're matching a divisional dog angle for me. Okay, looking for advice on this next game, Josh. Packers at the Saints. Uh, it's Sunday night. Uh, no, Sunday afternoon. Excuse me. Sunday afternoon. Uh, we'll get to that because there's something. There's a caveat here. Uh, it's 425 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it's off the board right now uh, when it comes to this uh, uh, this uh, spread here. 
Yeah, so waiting on Aaron Rodgers, Pritch. I mean, really, <laughs> that's right. the whole thing. We're we're, wait, we're on pins and needles, and I did see Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be on Roseanne or the Connors tonight, like a cameo. It's like, what he's on Jeopardy, he's doing different shows. Like, um, what? How is this going to play out? I think that's the question we're all asking ourselves. But I think the books are just saying we're not going to take a chance here. We're not going to throw out a number that could look really, really bad if Rodgers is on a different team or if he's on the Packers and we kind of lowball the Packers here. So uh, it could be, should be a great matchup, but Pritch, what if we get Jordan love against Jameis Winston? I think the <laughs> NFL, the NFL doesn't want that. I think you, you want your big guys here. And, uh, and again, we're just gonna have to wait on Rodgers. Well, remember to start uh, the kickoff time, 425 PM. Eastern, the caveat Broncos at giants, uh, their game starts at what time? 425 PM. Eastern. Uh, they can flip-flop. Uh, I mean, who's ever going to be on Fox? Uh, who's ever going to showcase that game, right? Uh, if Rodgers is with the Broncos, the Broncos right now minus one and a half uh, on the road against the Giants, uh, that total 42 and a half. Uh, now, things can change with that number, obviously, if Aaron Rodgers is now or becomes the Broncos quarterback. Yeah, you're totally right, Pritch. So it's kind of funny. They're kind of, if you're reading the tea leaves or think he may go to the Broncos, who he did put on his list there, um, minus one, take a shot now. And Rodgers, I mean, I don't know. I just, it's kind of uh, intriguing to me that this is a team he could go to and they're only minus one. But I don't know. I mean, we would, I would assume if it's Teddy Bridgewater or Locke, you know, we love Teddy Bridgewater as a dog. I would have loved to grab, you know, the Broncos as a slight dog at the Giants. Yeah. I don't know. The Giants at home, Pritch, it's only a one-point spread. It's pretty much, you know, a pick type game. What does that tell you? You know, neutral court Broncos would be – or neutral field Broncos would be the better team here. But uh, I don't know. If that thing keeps ticking up, uh, I'd be looking at maybe grabbing the Giants at home. But that's kind of one of, one of those weird non-conference matchups with a short number. Also a very, very low total there, Pritch. Only 42 and a half. Mm -hmm. Could be a low-scoring game, at which point maybe those points could be could be important. Yeah, both of those games, 425 p.m. Eastern uh, kickoff time. Uh, Packers, Saints, Broncos, Giants. I think that's uh, pretty interesting right there. How about Bears and Rams? Uh, the Rams are minus seven. Uh, here's a Sunday night matchup. Uh, the Bears are big dogs in this one. Yeah, I'd be looking at the Bears here, Pritch. My question is, is it going to be Fields? Is it going to be uh, Andy Dalton? You know, what are we going to get a quarterback? But my, my only angle there would be I have a system match. Again, we talked about a big dog, six and a half or more, 60% uh, ATS. But also one system that I loved all last year treated me pretty good is primetime dogs, especially mm -hmm. big primetime dogs. They did very, very well here. Obviously, you know, if you're going to get some fans here with the Rams, maybe the, the home field is a little more important this year than last year. But uh, if that's seven now, you know, does it get to the hook? Does it go to six and a half? I think you would maybe buy low on the Bears at seven and hope it gets down to six and a half. But that would be a primetime dog and a big dog system match there with Chicago. And then wrapping up with Monday Night Football, the Raiders open up. Uh, uh, they were plus five and a half now, plus four and a half at home. Uh, against the Ravens, Josh. Give me the Raiders here, Pritch. <laughs> I like the Raiders in the spot. Uh, thanks to our producer, Steph, she updated the line move. It did go to the Raiders. That was the third game we were waiting on with the move. Plus five and a half, down to plus four and a half. Some money coming in here on the Raiders. That will be that that primetime dog, uh, dog opportunity. So uh, give me the Raiders here, Pritch. I'll be, I'll be sweating uh, your neck of the woods there. All right. I love it. Uh, well, the rest of the afternoon is uh, includes sweat uh, for, because this game in the, in the 10th uh, inning here. Uh, and then the reveal in the National Football League, the rest of the schedule. Can't wait, Pritch. Big day and go tribe. Let's get another W here. There you go. Great job, Josh. Uh, awesome job. Uh, James Sleens will be back on the program tomorrow. My guys in the desert coming up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.